go deep. Thank you for listening to GDP. Go Deep the Podcast. You can find us on all forms of social media. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You're always welcome to reach out to our cast members. Sternsy, Motorsports Mofo, Lord Fawn, Big Mikey, T.O. Big Show, and Sassy K. Thank you for listening and your support. Go Deep. Alright folks, welcome back to Go Deep the Podcast. I'm John Nothing Doe. And today, on this very special episode... We are talking to the one, the only, Motorsports Mofo. How are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm glad to uh, glad to be here. Glad to be back. And uh, thank you for having me as always. Well, thank you for coming back. Everybody else, even if even if I wanted to offer the money, weren't interested. Just joking. <laughs> well, one look at your face, I wouldn't be interested either. Thank God we don't do video chat. <laughs> <laughs> Savage. Right. First and foremost, there's been yeah. some races since the last time we spoke. Can you tell me a little bit about these races that have happened, or is it kind of like too much going on in the head? Or <laughs> <laughs> no, it uh, it uh, we had Michigan today there, so uh, you know, I mean, Michigan typical uh, Ford. I uh, see Harvard take the win there, okay. and uh, good uh, good to see uh, Harvard. I mean, I, I can't say I'm a, a huge Harvard fan, but I definitely have to respect the man and what he's done, and. Uh, you know, you got to give credit where credit is due. Ford is used fast at Michigan, um, or at the, the speedways anyway. And, you know, he uh, good on him. So, uh, shout to Kevin Harvick there. Uh, speaking uh, then for myself, you know, we uh, we had a shootout there at uh, St. Thomas there on Friday. Oh, yeah. And, so, how, uh, did, how did that go didn't, for you? Didn't uh, quite go our way. Uh, we got one pass in, and then we were back on the trailer. And... Uh, Couple uh, mechanical uh, issues to uh, to deal with there. We snapped a, a blower belt, and uh, we we had an issue with the tensioner as well. Obviously, uh, what was their name? I think that was... <laughs> 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 but, uh, no, I mean you know, other than that goes. We uh, it was uh, off the one pass. We did learn some things, and that's the main thing. And uh, from reviewing video footage, that we are going in the right direction, and uh, you know. So trying to take away the positives from uh, from otherwise a bit of a, a letdown day, but uh, you know also had some friends and uh, people that uh, had come out to show some support and uh, to be there to watch. So very much appreciated, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll get it back together and get everything fixed up, and we will be back out there again to uh, swing away at it again. Well, I'd say you're welcome, but I wasn't there, so for no, everybody else that was there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we covered a bit of that. So, but that, the last time we spoke, we spoke about um, you know women of racing, and we got into the topic of drag racing. And then yeah. you were explaining to me that there's many different classes. So I think oh, there's a ton. There's an absolute. I mean, you could go over the history of the NHRA, and I mean, you've got a lot of sanctioning bodies, right, John? So various sanctioning bodies. You know, uh, you got the IHRA, the Professional Drag Racing Association. You got the National Hot Rod Association. I mean, and, and there's various classes. And yeah. essentially, at the end of the day, you're all going straight. But there's various classes that that form and pop up. And uh, yeah, so uh, there's a ton of them. And I know we had spoke about doing like a top five, and you really put it to me there. So uh, I always like to put the boots to you, bud. Uh, I appreciate that. So yeah, so the theme of this show is top five drag classes. And yeah. I mean cars, just in case it's not understood. 
and just this is my like this is not you know uh, this is my personal favorite top five. So I, I recognize you know there's gonna be a lot of people out there that are gonna be saying you know Mofa what like this, this is not the top five or that everyone is gonna have a different top five obviously and we you know we always welcome uh, criticism and you know sure. feel free to let me know if uh, if you think I'm off and and. You know, I, I definitely expect a little bit of blowback, but that's fine. But this is, you know, this is my five. So here we go. Let's do well, it. I, I, to be honest, I don't think there's going to be much blowback. I think it's uh, it sounds like it's all very individual. So I think a lot of people might say yay or nay to whatever you think is in your top five. But at the, at the end of the day, they'll be like, yeah, I can see what you're saying. This is just why I like this particular class better than your number five class, for, in, for instance, yeah. right? Fair enough. So let's start with your number five. So number five, um, I, I mean, I go with Outlaw 10-5. And I always, I like this class as a kid because I just, I always found it interesting. Um, the small tire class, essentially. So give his name uh, from, they're running a 10.5 inch wide tire um, or a, like a 28 by 10.6 or something like that um, and, and so I mean these guys are making a lot of power and then just trying to hook it up on basically what we refer to in the thing it's like a on, on a small tire um, it takes a tremendous amount of skill you're really having to, to drive this thing it's not just gonna just go for you so to speak okay um, and it just takes a lot of talent these things depending on like your setup um, of like whether you're a Big block, small block, uh, nitrous or, or turbo or a blower car, you're going to have various weight, you know, add or subtract type thing where you would be or uh, et cetera. But they usually run eighth mile. Um, there is some, obviously, though, that do run quarter um, quarter mile, but they, they range there from 23, 2,400 pounds all the way up to 3,000 pounds, depending on, again, the power of the car and, you know, just to keep everyone within like a uh, parameters right to keep it fair yeah but um door slammer cars as we would call them like functioning doors so it i mean obviously these are not cars you can be generally driving on the street as i'm sure there are some people that would love to or would try to but um just the fact that you know it still resembles a you know what you would see on the street as we've often talked a mustang a camaro challenger or a dodge uh dart challenger you know it, it just I go back to when I look at it, I recognize exactly what I'm looking at versus when you're looking at, say, like a top fuel dragster and it's like, oh, this is a Dodge or this is a Ford. It's, yeah, sure it is. This looks production. Yeah. So for me, I'm, uh, I'm I'm big on stuff that you can sort of look at and be like relatable, even if it's a little bit stretched chassis or this or that. Um, I like sort of production sort of looking stuff. So yeah, like my number five, I'm going to go with is Outlaw 10.5. Okay. So that is your number five, and we're going to take it to the next level and find out what your number four is there, MoFo. Yeah, so I grapple with number four, and the, the reason I grapple with number four is I, I, you know, I really, as I said, like I've always enjoyed stuff that you would essentially see on the street, um, but then you, you see it out on the track as well, and it can almost do like a dual purpose, like a Saturday night cruise, but then still Sunday at the racetrack. So my number four is um, the newer class, generally speaking, and it's the 275X class. 
Okay. And so the 275X class is essentially you're running on a radial, um, like or what I would call like a semi-slick, um, but you're running on like a, a 275 uh, series tire. Um, generally, they would be on like on the street. Guys would be running it on, say, anywhere from like an eight to a ten-inch rim. Um, but in the in this class, the minimum wheel uh, spec would be a ten-inch, with the uh, the normal being about a twelve. And I, as I recall, I think the the widest you can go in this class is a twelve-inch. But a lot of guys do just run them on a twelve-inch wide wheel and uh, really sort of stretch them out. Now, the thing I find interesting about the two seventy-five X class is I like it because they still retain, and they must, like according to sanctioning body rules, they have to retain factory-looking body. Okay. So as an example, you've got guys in there, say a seventy-nine, eighty-one Malibu, and then you've likewise got you know someone in like a two thousand and one Camaro, and they're going to look just exactly how they would have rolled off the line. Now, obviously, they're going to be different stance, and uh, they're sounding healthy as hell. But when you look at one of these things, you're going to be fully able to recognize. So they are allowed, in terms of aftermarket fiberglass, if they want to switch up their panels, they're allowed um, what would be hood, fenders, a deck lid, I think. Uh, yeah, deck lid for sure. Um, bumpers. You know, think about that. But I mean, anywhere that they can save weight, obviously, right? So they're allowed fiberglass bumpers, doors, and then they are allowed fiberglass one-piece clips. So that would be like your hood and fenders would all, and the bumper would all lift off as one assembly, right? Yeah. And um, they're allowed to run those in fiberglass too. So again, like they're really able to lighten these cars up and, um, but you know, still keep that factory style appearance. And the thing is, is racing, no matter how you cut it, is expensive. But I think this is a class where a lot of, you know, Someone like myself or a lot of, you know, guys, average guys, average Joes, if you will, um, can relate to because it's like, you know, we can, you know, I've got a, a close buddy with the Malibu. Yeah. And, you know, um, when I look at his, his is obviously not running in that class by any means, um, but he, he drag races it and he, you know, it's easily seen that, hey, that looks just like that one and, you know, another 10, 15,000, you can easily, you know, fiberglass this, this and this and you're, you're, you're well with on your way of shedding down the weight. I mean, he's already a big block nitrous car, so, you know, it, it just puts it a little bit more back to getting back to the grassroots of it, right? Um, and, yeah, like with the, the 275X class, guys can run big block, small block. Uh, you're, depending on, like, your, your blower nitrous and turbo size, like, they are restricted to keep the class, again, at a certain... Uh, parity in terms of how much boost and how much the size of the you know the nitrous hit the size of the turbo you're allowed to use. Um, yeah, it's it's a pretty good class. Um, they have both eighth mile and quarter mile run like uh, passes that they will do. Just again depends on what sanctioning body you're racing in. That like they'll either do eighth mile or quarter mile, and then you'll gear the car accordingly to. Uh, the type of race you're doing, but I really, uh, really had a big fan, big fan of the uh, 275X class, and that's why I put it in number four. Just uh, it based on that, you can see it on the street, and it basically rolls right onto the track, and you're off and running. It sounds like something that would be actually uh, 
pretty interesting to watch, you know, like I, I've watched a couple of drag races and actually before I get into that for a quick second with you there, Mofo, I got to make a correction. And a lot of, a lot of the guy uh, car guys would have known that I made this mistake and I should have realized. But last time we spoke, I was talking about my love for the Viper and I was talking about especially 2016 ACR Dodge Viper that was specially fit. And um, I miscalculated. I think I said it's something it, like it went 600 kilometers an hour. That's like you know it should be flying in the air. It's uh, oh, I you were just impaired. What's that? We just figured you were impaired. <laughs> I'm a little mentally impaired. I can't lie, but no uh, comment. Uh, <laughs> but beyond that, it's actually 411, which is 200 kilometers uh, less. But that's still nothing to shake a stick at. Uh, it's it's still a scary um, vehicle if you will, to see it going down the street, especially with all the special attachments that are involved with its body. And uh, even, uh, what do you call that? The spoiler on the back is intended to slow the Viper down, and it slows it down like something like 50K or something. Something crazy. Like, it holds it back a little bit still. But anyways, I was watching a drag race of another Dodge Viper. It was uh, a Dodge Viper that was a 200-horsepower twin-turbo. It was like a uh, orangey peach color, sort of. Mm-hmm. It was doing a drag with three other vehicles, and I mean the one vehicle. They were, they were on like a four-wide track. Then you're saying. Yeah, but it was weird okay. because the one vehicle. I mean, obviously, wouldn't. I don't even know why it was there. It was like a pickup truck, but. Don't slam the pickup trucks, man. You'd be surprised with some of those guys who do. You look at Larry Larson. Yeah. No. Um, I, I, but I get your point. Continue. I. I I get that. I, I just don't think it was um, in the same class because next to that pickup truck was the Ford Mustang and then you had the Viper and then the other vehicle on the right, I can't tell if it's like a Lexus or if it's like a uh, Charger or something like that, just the way it looks and because of the video. I mean, the quality of the video was fine. It's from last July. It's just, I guess, because it's on the opposite side, like the far side of these vehicles. Mm-hmm. That you can't really tell, like I and like it looks like the markings have been kind of taken off. Like you know, you normally like if it's a Dodge or something, you'll see the symbol in the back, but because the symbol would be so small from the distance in which it was shot from, I couldn't tell what it was. But anyways, it came into a distant second behind this Viper that just tore the ground up. Just when it went, it was just like poof, it's gone, and everybody else is just kind of like putting behind. Especially the pickup truck. Like, the pickup truck, if I were him, I would have just turned it and put it in reverse. <laughs> he probably didn't want to embarrass the Viper. Yeah, he's like, uh, well, I'm just going to put this in reverse. I mean, I think it was a Silverado, but I'm not sure. Oh, well, here we go. <laughs> anyways, wow. anyways, anyways. Enough of my bullshit. I, uh, you know, since we've started doing our shows talking about predominantly uh, motorsports with you there, mofo. I just find myself uh, reigniting the fire for Dodge Viper. It's just my thing, and I can't help and, it. You know, I would definitely, if someone gave me a Viper, I would 100% take it. Um, I think they're very, you know, that's an angry machine. And I say that with a smile. I mean, in a sense of, like, that, those things right off the factory floor put down some serious numbers, and uh, they'll get you in a lot of trouble if you are someone with a lead foot. And even without a lead foot, they'll get you in trouble. Um, well, yeah, you might just get pulled certainly. over because somebody wants to see it. <laughs> well, I mean, hey, if you take that as a, a badge of honor, but 
no, I mean, uh, the Vipers, yeah, when it comes to racing are definitely, you know, they have their, their spot for sure. No argument there. 100%. But MoFo, I'm sorry for interrupting. I just want to make that correction and talk about my obvious interest with Viper. But I want to hear your number three, which I believe is Pro Stock. Yeah, so the, the Pro Stock class is obviously, they've gone through a little bit of uh, changes there. Um, so... As a kid, like, I mean, obviously, again, every, everything's always changing, NHRA and, and various sanctuary bodies are always, you know, changing and upgrading, and, and and full disclosure, I don't have an issue with, but, like, the first thing I was going to note is, like, they, they are now running um, electronic uh, fuel injection, and there's nothing wrong with that by any means, you know, we are in 2020, but I always appreciated when they were still running carburetors, it just, um, it, I think it put a little bit more of the craft in it, like the, sure. the guys who would do the, some of the, the carburetor tuning and playing with the settings depending on altitude and where the track was they were running. It just made it, I guess I always found it a little bit interesting. Um, but yeah, so, so pro stocks there, like they, they used to have like hood scoops and I know that the, the NHRA has now eliminated the use of hood scoops and like so when you look at a pro stock again, functioning doors, um, the, the bodies resemble, I mean, I say when I say resemble John like something that you would see at a dealership. I mean, obviously, it's a little bit more streamlined, a little bit more smoothed out. Okay. Um, everything is obviously meant to be specifically on the track, and there's no mixing. You know, it, it's not what you see on the dealership. But when you're 20 feet away, you can definitely recognize. Oh, that's a Camaro, or oh, that's a Cavalier body. That's a Celica. You know what I mean? Like so, it's or a Dodge Dart. Um, you love those, eh? You've, ta- you've talked about them like three times now on the show. Well, I mean, again, it's just it's just a, like it's a popular body. If like you're running a Dodge, right? Yeah. Um, and again, like it's you gotta remember though too, like the the bodies the the bodies that are picked in drag racing are usually because they're very aero friendly and or because of the size, they're the most lightest of you know compared to say another body that because it's maybe a little bit wider, a little bit more stretched, it's going to be, you know, three or four pounds heavier. Guys are always going to try and save weight and do whatever they can to you know, give them the best advantage possible, right? That's just regardless of whatever class you go into. Yeah. I you're always looking that. for that advantage. But yeah, the uh, the pro stops there, um, they weigh in at like 2350 or 2400 pounds, so pretty, uh, pretty light. Um, they're, they're still using like single cam design, 90 degree V8 engines. As, you know, that's sort of my wheelhouse, what I'm into. Yeah. Uh, the V8 stuff, cam in the block. Um, but yeah, like, they're, they're, they're pretty, they're pretty, uh, if you've ever watched Pro Stock, like, I, there's a lot of controversy. If you watch NHRA, a lot of guys are like, you know, time to get rid of Pro Stock and just start showing more Pro Mod races. Um, you know, I won't, I won't get too into it, but I, I do consider myself a big Pro Mod fan. Like, I love watching Pro Mod, but Again, I grew up as a kid watching pro stocks and the, the scoops and everything. Um, yeah, like they're, they're, they're limited to about 500 cubic inch engines. They're in and around the 13 to 1500 horse uh, range. They yeah. good for about six and a half seconds um, in the 210, 215 range. So they're, they're, they're pretty interesting. And again, it's just something like, again, when I look at a pro stock car, it's like, can relate to it it feels relatable yeah and i mean you know 
there's nothing against someone that runs, say, top fuel or top alcohol dragsters. Um, it's just, as a, as a racing fan, I appreciate that when I look at that, it's like it, it gives you something to connect with. Yeah, 100%. My my number three would definitely have to be Pro Stocks. Um, I have to say to anyone listening, you know, I've really grappled again with Pro Stocks or Pro Mod. um, But because, like, I'm an advocate of, you know, we're only picking five, I'm not going to, you know, start, oh, well. So I went Pro Stock, and that's the, yeah, I think it it, it puts on some good racing. Pro Stock it is, bud. I have no problem with that, and I don't think anybody else does, and if they do... Well, does anyone else have a problem? State your piece now. Or take I hear it. crickets. Excellent. Yes, or take it in the face. <laughs> <laughs> wow, go deep. Always. Balls Always. deep. So number two, and this is an interesting one, and I can't wait for you to explain it to me. Gasser. Is this someone that just throws a brick on the gas pedal and doesn't and throws caution to the wind? or Absolutely. Delicious. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so the gasser class. So, oh man, this is now this is an old class. So you you still have tons of sanctioning bodies that um, do like vintage gasser racing and you know, or nostalgia drag racing uh, sanctioning bodies, and they'll they'll do the gassers. You very seldomly uh, you find you're hard pressed not to see someone that. They see the gasser and doesn't instantly smile. Yeah. Um, and that's a card I think. I'm sure there's other people though that would look at a gasser and see this is the ugliest piece of shit I've seen in my life. Woo! But I, as a car guy, when I see a gasser pulling into a cruise night or at the racetrack, instantaneously brings a smile on my face. I can't wait to watch a gasser run. So, um, gassers there, you gotta understand now, these things. As far as I'm concerned, this is where the men were men and the sheep ran scared. Oh, wow. And obviously, <laughs> and nothing and nothing that uh, says that a woman couldn't have driven a gasser just at the time when gassers were really, were really in their heyday or popular. The, the sport was very much, um, you know, male-oriented type thing. So don't uh, don't hate on me for the, the analogy. But basically, gassers there, yet. uh like they were typically like a four-speed top loader transmission. You could run an automatic too if you wanted, but um, in my opinion, true gassers were a, a top loader four-speed transmission, and they'd uh, you have various rear end combinations that you could run. Um, you know, if, if it was me building a gasser, I'd probably go with like a nine-inch Ford to something very durable, or maybe a Dana sixty. But these things, uh, various engine combinations, big block, small block, um, but these, these things, they would have like a solid front axle, if you can imagine, right? You got a solid front axle, and the, the slicks on the back would usually be hanging out of the side of the body a little bit. If you can, if you guys are out there, if you've seen gassers, look up like an old Studebaker gasser or a Willys gasser or a, hell, like even like a Mercury Comet gasser. There's just some crazy stuff and then you'll see these things so they've got the, the solid front axle they got the, the skinnies up front the big slicks in the rear and uh, you know they, they have the front ends of these things way up in the air now NHRA finally gets, it just kept getting crazier and crazier back in the day of guys lifting the front ends more and more and they were lifting them for the weight transfer trying to get the weight to shift over the to, 
the back of the car to get traction. Yeah. And a lot of it was, you know, tire technology back in the 50s, 60s was not anywhere near what it is today. And frankly, they were just running essentially on like some junk hard flex rubber tire, if you will. And uh, they just couldn't get the traction any other way other than to set the car up like this. So you got these front ends way up in the air. The ass end of the car squatted right down, basically. And these things, the reason I say about these guys were, were just wheelmen or, or, or crazy type thing is that a lot of these guys were running, if they were running front brakes, a lot of them were just rear brakes only. Um, ones that did have front brakes, they would have been drum brakes. Um, you know, no booster, no, like no, it was just very rudimentary, if you will. And when something went wrong in the gasser, you know, it, it just, the, the safe, some of the safety equipment just frankly wasn't there. You'd have like a little four point cage, um, if that type thing. It was just, you, you had to look at, you had to really realize like how much these guys were, I, I want to say pioneers, but they were very much just, Man, these guys were nuts, to be honest, in my opinion. Well, I, you know, I, I they, think they you have to be a little like, bit. <laughs> oh, and you had to be, but you usually be like uh, somewhere in the 13-second or uh, or lower, especially back in the day, and into the 12s, be very realistic. Some of them mid to high 11s. And, uh, you know, so it's nothing but, like, say, breakneck speed by today's standards, but especially back in the day, they would have been moving. And... Um, it's just, if you've never watched a gasser race, you know, Google it up on YouTube or just Google gasser racing. You'll find all sorts of, uh, of interesting vintage footage and even guys like up until very recently running, you know, gassers. And, uh, it just, it's a, a really interesting class. But then likewise, again, you will see them still on the street, functioning doors, um, you know, big exhaust sticking out the sides of them type thing. And it just, when you're looking at a gasser, it's just instantaneously transforms you back, you know, yeah. back in history when, you know, these things would be just rolling around the streets, guys driving them, and all of a sudden, boom, rolling out of the local Harveys or McDonald's or I guess whatever, you know, skips, you know, hamburger joint, and then out there dragging it on the street. So, again, this is what made my number two is because you're able to connect to it. I love watching vintage gassers run. So definitely, uh, that's where my number two had to uh, had to come into play. Well, it sounds like a very interesting class. I could see why you would like something called the gassers. I feel like uh, in my waking life, when I'm at work, you could probably call me a gasser. I mean, but don't because I might get in trouble, and I'm not going to go any deeper than that. <laughs> no comment. But uh, number one, this is one I'm sure you've been like kind of like bleeding the information almost out through the side of your lip while you're trying to explain the other classes of drag racing you absolutely love. But number one is altered wheelbase. Tell me yes. about this. So altered wheelbase is essentially like the, the, the child of what is now modern day funny car. Yeah. Okay. So anyone that's familiar with a funny car, um, you look at them and you know they're, they're stretched out um, the you know if you don't know what a funny car is you know maybe you're on either the wrong 
long podcast or you got to Google up what a funny car looked like. Basically, <laughs> like John four strikes these things now. Um, you know, and, and we, but the, the point is, is that Alfred Wheelbase basically started out where you had factory teams and you had teams even like, you know, say you and I and guys in a quest again to start getting um, better traction, they start moving the rear axle forward and then likewise the front axle forward. And you say, well, what was the point of that? And again, it came back to weight transfer. So you're trying to get the, the UCB leaf spring in the rear cars and you're trying to get that traction and the, the weight shift or weight distribution to shift more to the ass end of the car when you're taking off off the line, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so these are basically, they, they, like, they were stock gas, alcohol, or fuel class cars with parts removed or changed, right? Um, making them ineligible for other classes. And so guys would be, you know, moving the, the, the wheel wells, you know, eight inches, six inches, pick this, whatever. I mean, the cars really started to look actually quite funny, and that's where they got his name, Funny Car. Now okay. more can you, but like you look at some of the Dodges, especially or the, the Fords, these things, um, basically where the the rear glass would be. I'm not talking about like your deck glass, but your your side glass. If you were say sitting in the back seat of one of these things, that's where the the rear axles were being shoved all the way forward to. So you had, you know, four feet worth of trunk, five feet worth of trunk behind you, behind the car, and they would you know cut the wheel wells out, move it forward, and then, you know, graft it all back in as if that's how the factory intended to, to send them out. And then the, the front wheels would be damn near touching the front bumpers, all in a, a quest to, so that when the driver would hit the gas coming off the line, you would instantaneously, all that weight transfer is going to be already over. You've got more weight over the rear, rear end of the car taking off. Now, again, with, the ultra wheelbase then came, guys would be running the solid front axles, um, very rudimentary suspension setups, again, by today's standards. But it was very crafty. I mean, again, going back to the leaf springs, um, there is a lot of, uh, I don't want to say tricks, but there's a lot of science in leaf springs as to how the, the spring rate of the, of the leaf spring, Yeah, not so much in the compression rate, but just softer or a more rigid spring and like guys would be adding or subtracting a leaf um, or depending on where you would notch down the, the the length of leaf spring it would allow more weight to shift a little easier or harder it, a lot of a lot of science a lot of science a lot of R&D would have went into this stuff essentially just to get the car to go straight I mean these things again if you ever get the opportunity to watch an old altered wheelbase car go, these things are just phenomenal and they, they were, you know, always great racing. Not so much always the safest. I mean, like, again, the some of the safety stuff was implemented as, you know, guys had issues, accidents, um, and then, you know, ultimately that, as the 70s wore on and things started to get faster and faster, getting in like snake and mongoose those two going back and forth and um 
you know, the bodies were getting and the chassis getting stretched out a little bit more and more. And you now ultimately now got into what we have now as modern day funny car setups and lift off bodies. But, uh, yeah, like when the ultra wheelbase first started out, the doors would be all functioning and, um, you know, it'd be, it was interesting. Guys would be acid dipping the bodies. That was a, a very common thing. And if you're not sure what acid dipping is, I'm not talking about the last tablet that you uh, maybe swallowed on the weekend. But, uh, <laughs> no, they would be literally the factories. Like, you look at, like, say, the Sox and Martin cars. They would be dipping these things into a big, like, bathtub, like, not bathtub, but a big, big container of acid. Yeah. They would eat away at the metal, and they'd lift it out. And, I mean, the metal of the cars would be reduced significantly, obviously. Yes. But they're all in a quest to save down the weight. Shaving down the weight, they put a very rudimentary, by today's, again, standard cage in these things, or a roll bar assembly, I like to call it, not even a cage. And uh, very much gutted down, you know, interior. Much like the gassers, but, you know, like they would have a very... They'd have the dash, obviously. You'd have your two seats and a carpet, but very, uh, you know, just just what had to be there by classroom. I'll phrase it that way. So um, you had the various factories getting into the racing programs and saying, "Oh well, we built so many of these cars with blank, blank, blank." Yeah. All of a sudden, then made it legal for the class. And um, but again, with with just having something removed or altered it uh, it would get you into the class so a lot of a lot of gamesmanship that would go on between the various uh, manufacturers at the time and again obviously ultra wheelbase when it was in its heyday was well before my time and well before yours but again it's when i watch it when i watch ultra wheelbase vintage racing um, either on television or at the you know at the racetracks, I always find it interesting to, to see these things pull up and to watch these guys take off on them. You know, they're certainly not like the fastest things out there, especially, you know, in their early days. And I, I say the fastest thing by comparison to today's standard of, of, you know, what we consider now a fast time of the drag strip. But all the same, uh, number one definitely is altered wheelbase and uh, like to pay homage to that as it essentially became the modern day funny car. But um, if, you, if anyone listening, if you guys have not ever had the opportunity to check out any of these classes, again, quick shot on YouTube. And if you're not hooked, I mean, you know, I, I'm not sure. I, you'd have to hit me up and tell me what your top five classes are, and we would easily debate that then. 100%. Now, let me ask you something, Mofo. Like, maybe yeah. this is more of a statement than asking you. But I believe 20 years ago, WWE or WWF, whoever you want to talk about, had mm-hmm. they had cars that they sponsored with like wrestlers when funny car was kind of like blowing up about 20 years ago before i guess they were just trying to do their their thing with advertising but I remember they had like a steve austin um funny car they had a john cena one and then for whatever reason they they stopped but um did you ever remember any of that stuff or not not so much I remember briefly, but, like, again, um, I remember, like, you know, Napa Auto Parts, like, obviously, um, I remember, you know, I, I, as a kid, I was always big into John Force. Okay. Right? So I was always big into Castro, or, you know, you'd see, like, the, like the Quaker State, um, Valvoline. So, I know, as a kid, it was more so, I guess, I was more just hooked on, like, 
you know, watching the race car, not so much as a kid paying that much a close attention to, like, say, the driver. Um, just, you know, you're a kid, you're more hooked on, look at that car, look at this one, right? But I always remember as a kid being a big John Force fan. Um, and, you know, the, the thing, though, going back, like, to the WWE is, like, I mean, you've got, for anyone that watches, like, Gas Monkey Garage or, you know, you've got various TV shows or various, you know, where in their attempt for, for more spot, like to, to draw sponsorship or draw attention to their own brand, um, you've seen all sorts of sponsorship lend itself, if you will, or, or look to participate on a race car. And frankly, like at the end of the day, the driver of the team, I shouldn't say doesn't care less. It's well, I mean, that right, wouldn't right. be... It's whoever basically is willing to pay the bill yeah. to put their name on the car at the end of the day, and I mean that in the most polite fashion, whoever's going to pay the bill to put their name on the car, the teams will take, just sure. because it's, you know, that's, they need funding in order to race, and if if WWE or, or Heinz Ketchup, as an example, is willing to pay enough money to be on that race car, boom, you're on it. 100%, that makes perfect sense. Now, I understand that you're, you know, you're always at fascinated with many different facets of motorsports but i never really asked you and maybe i should have mm-hmm. what your opinions are on monster truck i wish monster truck got a little bit more what's the word i wish they would get a little bit more of a spotlight on them i feel like they in my opinion they maybe peaked in the early 2000s up until maybe 2010, 2011. Okay. Um, you know, and like, they had like the Monster Jam World Finals and all this and that going in. I remember going down to like, if anyone's in Ontario or Toronto specifically, like, I remember going down to the Sky Dome every year and you go down and watch the Monster Trucks. Well, they still have and, them in, in January normally. I don't know with COVID this year if it'll still be well, going this, on. this but... year, the whole COVID thing has really hoofed a lot of things, right? Definitely. I'm just saying, though, as a kid, I was big into the monster trucks. Like, you would go down, you had Samson and Reptile, Gravedigger. Everyone knows Gravedigger. Yes. And um, it, so I, I think the monster trucks are fantastic. I mean, those things are making ridiculous, ridiculous power, a lot of torque. They're in and around the 1,400 horse up to like 16, 1,700 horsepower trucks. I mean, they're, they're turning these massive tires so it takes an exceptional amount of torque to uh, to do that. And I mean, whether you watch monster trucks drag racing or doing freestyle, as they call it, um, you know, mon- I think like that there, people just assume, oh, it looks easy because they just, I, Maybe I'm wrong, but I think some people, anyway, assimilate driving a monster truck as essentially driving your Silverado or your F-150, but with these massive tires. Yeah. Right? And you got to understand, like, monster trucks, a lot, especially a lot of the new ones, um, have quad steer, so the, the turning radius is much sharper, and there's just a lot more going on in a monster truck than, you know, I, I you could assume with you think of again like your Silverado or your Dodge or whatever truck you're driving right yeah but no I, I I do have a love for the monster trucks I just wish they would get a little bit more recognition I'll yeah. phrase it that way I feel you know and again much like when you go to an HRA event the the drivers and the teams are great to the fans and when you go to a monster or I'm not a monster um help me here 
a monster truck event. Thank yes. you. Monster truck <laughs> I event. didn't even have a chance to help you, fucker. <laughs> Too many sanctioning bodies. You got me trying to remember all in one shot. So when you go to a monster truck event, I've always found there's always autograph sessions for the kids. You can walk right up to the truck, look at them, and you know, ask questions to the crew members, the drivers, and I mean, it's always been a good experience there. Yeah. Um, I just wish then, in turn, because of that, they would get a little bit more TV broadcasting time, a little bit more um, exposure, you know? And again, I, I've always felt that they put on a good show. It's genuine. I mean, the, the trucks are out there racing each other. I mean, you're seeing a car squashed. I mean, it's, it's obviously live, it's real, it's not, uh, you know, in a world where we watch reality TV and things seem so scripted, right? Yeah. Um, I, I think monster trucks, though, are great. I think, you know, who isn't a kid and doesn't see a monster truck and says, oh, I want to do that when I get bigger, right? Oh, yeah. So, I have a big love for the monster trucks. I just wish they got, like I say, more, I feel like when Speed Vision and some of their channels existed, um, they used to really highlight a lot of monster trucks. I, I feel like you know, um, that monster truck sort of like that market or that niche, if you will, sort of peaked. And I don't know that it's quite come back yet. And that's strictly my opinion. That being said, when monster trucks come to town, I mean, they always seem, you know, regardless of what state, if they're running in the U.S. or province of Ontario or in Canada, sorry, that they run, people are there in droves to watch them. 100%. Well, it's interesting um, to see that person. Like they, they could easily be doing something probably on like a weekly or a bi-weekly basis that's televised. You know, every Saturday night there's monster truck racing on and it's on, you know, check it out on Fox and make an event of it. Yeah. And I'm sure people would tune in, or at least I would. I, you know, I've always found the guys very genuine and, you know, very competitive, right? So as much as it's fun, they're out there just crushing cars sometimes, but when they do their racing... Um, and or freestyle, they get quite into it, and there's a lot of competitiveness, and again, a lot of time um, that goes into these rigs. They're not just slapped together, like, you know, putting a lift kit in your, your half done, right? Yeah, 100%. I just I was just curious what your opinion is and how closely you felt, or you, you followed it, rather. I, th I think it's interesting. I don't know much myself. I think I've seen a I couple... I can't say that I follow it as much as I used to. I just, you know, you get busy, and it just... That's just life, right? Yeah, but 100%. I, I definitely, as a, as a kid, um, I had all the Monster Duck magazines. I would always be watching it again, as I said, on Speed Vision, when the channel existed. Um, and, you know, as a teenager, as, as I was always big into the Monster Trucks, more so, I guess, like, for the power and, and all that, the engines and such. But um, in recent years, I have sort of gotten away from the Monster Trucks, but still love them, still a lot of... Uh, appreciation for them and the talent that it does take again it's there is various videos online youtube of how to drive a monster truck or there's professional drivers giving breakdowns on how a monster truck drives and all the things to be aware of that are going on inside that cockpit or cab while you're while you're driving let alone racing one of these things and um by no means have I ever driven a monster truck, but from the videos I've seen and talking to the drivers in person is that it, it, it's not as easy as it looks. It's much oh, like I no. think any sport where the, the real talent makes it look easy. Yeah. And um, it really then highlights that their, their particular skill that they have honed in on so well to make it look that easy. 
Well, you know what I think might make it interesting, and I don't know because I don't follow uh, anything all that close, but I think it would be interesting if they had like a, an electric one, like a Tesla-sponsored one. I have not seen an electric monster truck, but I do like where you're going with it. I think that would be friggin' exciting. I would have to say that that would be pretty interesting. But I think of some of the allure to monster trucks, especially when with the kids, is the sound. 100%. If you, could, if you could replicate the sound of that roar, like, you know, coming over the cars and this just illustrious roar that comes from those engines, um, I, I think that would obviously add to it. But they imagine, like, here comes a quiet Tesla or a quiet Prius, and it's all of a sudden just jumping. It doesn't have the same allure. Or it has I would, I would, Yeah, like, but I, I would definitely support it. I would, I would give it a shot and go watch it. Or maybe it has like this, when it goes to back up, it has that high-pitched sound that little Hondas have when they back up, like the... <laughs> maybe put like a small horn on it just to kind of play with it, you know, because it's quiet and high-pitched reversing sounds. So, <laughs> but a you little... popcorn too loudly, you wouldn't hear the damn thing. Hey, Bob, can you stop chewing your gum? I can't hear what's going on in your car. <laughs> oh, what's, uh, what, uh, what about you though are you into the drag race now I don't think we've really I know we have other than you know, talk about it off air a little bit but like are you much or not really Yeah, I, I like it it's it's not something that um, I wouldn't watch I would watch it actually as we're speaking right now I was watching a bunch of Vipers drag racing and doing different things so I think, uh, you know, the more we talk about it, the more I'm kind of like, oh, I wonder. You know what I mean? Like, maybe I'll uh, just take a quick peek here. So you I, got, you know what? You got you got to check out, like, you got to go to a track. And I mean, they're, you know, again, we're, full disclosure, like, we're in Toronto. Yes. But if, if you're ever on the road, I mean, there's Grand Bend, there's Shannonville, there's, uh, what, Cayuga, St. Thomas. You know, like, there's numerous tracks out there that are worth, well worth, like, the, you just jump on their website and, you know, like they've got all sorts of weekends where they'll be showing, oh, we have this class or this sanctioning body is coming to the track. And yeah. it's usually nominal fees, guys. Like, it's, I think as a spectator at uh, St. Thomas, it's like, what, 10 bucks to go and watch? Um, sometimes maybe maybe at most 20 um, and a lot I think of these it's speedways. like 20 bucks as a spectator. I mean, it's great just to go out and support the local tracks, but then also just the you, you get to see like what some of these guys are out there doing and just, you know, how much of an addictive sport it is and, you know, how fun though it can be. And you can take it to really any level you want, right? You know, a lot of people are not like for these nominal fees, you can just got to remember that uh, not only does it help support it, but I mean, everybody that's working there clearly isn't making top dollar and a lot of them are doing it out of the passion out of their heart right they're like they're living their passion just by being there and participating in the aspects of the job to make sure that guys like you have a smooth day at the track right so yeah you know i mean and some of these guys they are much like myself in terms of they are just motorsport enthusiasts some of them do have other jobs and they're doing this on the side but i mean essentially like track officials and people that maintain the track and do the cleanups and the prep work and everything like that. Um, some of them are, you know, are probably not making rich by it by any means in terms of working at them. Um, that is purely speculatory. I've no, hundred percent. I've never, I've never applied to work at a track. I've 
no idea. I'm only speculating that a lot of these guys are, and girls are probably doing it, working the gates, working the, the pits, working the uh, staging lanes because they have a genuine love for the sport or like being in the environment. 100%. Um, but again, you know, a lot like various tracks, both oval, short tracks, or uh, drag strips over the years have closed just because, you know, if they're not getting the volume of traffic or the volume of, you know, people coming to see the races that they need, then eventually they close down. So, I mean, I think it's very much important to support these tracks and, uh, you know, go out and, again, there's a, essentially, there, there's, there's always going to be a top five class or a top class for everyone. So, um, I know, like, I, I always love watching, like, say, Nostalgia, nostalgia drag racing yeah. when they have like various classes or whatever and it, it could be um, you know watching like a Nostalgia Camaro run or it could be a Willie's Gas or I mean but I just the, if, if you don't like that then you know, there's going to be guys running old vintage uh, front engine drags or Don Garland style yeah. and or there, there's going to be a you know a guy out running his Tesla up some you know up against a Shelby GT500 Yep. And there's something in it for everyone, right? There's some motorcycle guys. You watch the motorcycle guys go down the track, and I mean, I think these guys are just absolutely crazy. And you watch the speed these guys do, and uh, we were watching some of them run Friday night, and just, I mean, God, I keep trying not to wheelie the damn bike coming off the line is the first thing. Even some of the guys with the stretched arms were having wheelie issues. I mean, most of the guys with the stretched arms were able to get a smooth launch, but I still think, like, the speed these guys are trapping and you're, you're just on a bike. If something ever went wrong, you got no cage, nothing around you. Um, nothing but guardian I, angels, bud. Oh, Christ. <laughs> call, call it something, but and in you your know, case, they're uh, leaving your shoulder. Like, I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely the worst, uh, going to your local track, checking it out, you know, and again, forming, you know, forming your personal favorite classes to what you love to watch. And it, it's what essentially will keep those tracks open too. Is, you know, you and me and whoever going to watch the racing and or participating like I also like to do too. Yeah. Well, you know, MoFo, I always appreciate the time that you're willing to give to us talking about motorsports. I know that's your passion, but it's always something that I'm very much appreciative. Before we sign off for this podcast, what races do we have to look forward to coming up? Yeah, so we're. I have to check the the cup schedule. I do apologize. Like I've just I've been busy again, like wrenching on my own car um, and doing more drag racing myself this season. So I I would honestly have to refer to the uh, the cup series schedule. I know that uh, NHRA was just in Indianapolis uh, this past weekend, and uh, they had some good results. Um, Shout out to Ron Caps. They're a good finish. Uh, good to see him taking home some hardware. And yeah, I will have to honestly have a look at the cup schedule. This COVID thing has really uh, thrown me off from where uh, they used to be. I mean, granted, they were in Michigan and that's usually where they would be about this weekend. But yeah, trying to catch up on the race schedule with COVID is really... Uh, yeah, no kidding. Face me back to going uh, off, the, uh, off the internet schedule. All right. Well, no worries either way. It's all good. Just curious. Mofo, once again, thank you for being on the show. Is there anything you'd like to say before we sign off? No, I just want to say thanks, everyone, for uh, listening and the continued support. Happy uh, motoring out there. Be safe and uh, always uh, go deep. (laughs) All right. Always go deep. 
Go deep. Thank you for listening to GDP. Go deep the podcast. You can find us on all forms of social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You're always welcome to reach out to our cast members. Sternzy, Motorsports Mofo, Lord Fawn, Big Mikey, T.O. Big Show, and Sassy K. Thank you for listening and your support. Go deep.